0: Welcome back to Love Murder Current Affairs, our show about the cases of love gone fatally wrong that are in the news right now. Our main subject tonight is a absolutely horrifying murder, suicide and family slaying from Utah. But first, a quick update from the Anna Walsh case in Massachusetts. On Tuesday night, Anna's husband, Brian, was arrested for her murder. The following day on Wednesday morning, Brian Walsh was arraigned and many more details have come to light. Walsh was charged with murder and disinterring a body without authority. The prosecutor in charge, Lynn Beland, said rather than divorce, it is believed that Brian Walsh dismembered Anna Walsh and discarded her body. As part of the arraignment, the prosecution
1: gave a number of new details about the evidence for the charges. One piece of evidence was surveillance footage showing Brian on his now-infamous Home Depot run where he spent $450 on cleaning supplies, tarps, a Tyvek suit, and a hatchet. He also bought several rugs at Home Goods. Additional surveillance footage showed Brian tossing what appeared to be more than a dozen heavy bags into dumpsters in the town of Abington and Swampscott. Walsh's mother lives in Swampscott, and cell phone data apparently had Walsh visiting a dumpster near her home. The prosecutor said he's leaning and it appears to be heavy as he had to heave it into the dumpster.
0: When police tried to track down the bags, those from Abington had already been destroyed. The bags from Swampscott, however, were discovered at a collection depot in Peabody. Those were the bags discovered the same day Brian was arraigned for the previous charges of misleading police. As has been previously reported, those bags had all manner of incriminating material Including a hatchet, a hacksaw, bloodstained items, and cleaning equipment. At the arraignment, prosecutors added boots, a piece of a necklace she owned, and a Prada purse that Anna had carried to the list. Additionally, the bags contained Anna's COVID 19 vaccination card. Finally, there was the DNA. DNA matching Anna and Brian was found on a pair of slippers, a number of the bloody clothes, and a Tyvek disposable suit.
1: Another new bit of information. When police visited Anna and Brian's home on January 4th, they reported that his Volvo seats were down and there was a plastic liner inside. When they went back the next day, they said it looked like he had vacuumed. They later found traces of blood in the car as well.
0: The next piece of evidence was his additional Google searches, some of which were made on Brian's and Anna's son's iPad. Oh my God. Those searches included 10 ways to dispose of a dead body if you really need to, how long before a body starts to smell, how to embalm a body, how long does DNA last, can you throw away body parts, dismemberment and the best ways to dispose of a body, how to clean blood from a wooden floor, hacksaw best tool to dismember, can you be charged with murder without a body, what happens to hair on a dead body. Can baking soda mask or make a body smell good? And can you identify a body with broken teeth? On December 27th, he had also searched for what's the best state for a divorced man, which I think he should have stuck with that one.
1: Yeah, these searches are really something. Brian's only reaction to the information shared by prosecutors was a one-time head shake and his plea of not guilty. His attorney, Tracy Miner, said in a statement, I am not going to comment on the evidence. First, because I am going to try this case in court and not in the media. Second, because I haven't been provided with any evidence by the prosecution, in my experience, where, as here, the prosecution leaks so-called evidence to the press before they provide it to me, their case isn't that strong. We'll continue to use current affairs to keep you up to date as details of the case develop.
0: I would think that the case seems pretty strong, Andy. I think it's pretty developed. Now we turn to our excruciating main topic for today. On Wednesday, January 4th, police officers were conducting a welfare check at a home in rural Enoch City, Utah, after a mother of five had not shown up for an appointment. What they discovered was a scene of hard to imagine horror.
1: All eight residents of the family were deceased. That included 42-year-old father Michael Haight, his 40-year-old wife Tasha Haight, his 78-year-old mother-in-law Gail Earl, and Michael and Tasha's five children, a 17-year-old girl, a 12-year-old girl, 7-year-old girl, 7-year-old boy, and a 4-year-old boy. In a Thursday morning press conference, authorities reported that Michael was suspected of a murder-suicide. Evidence suggests that the suspect took his own life
0: after killing seven others in the home. The community's initial reaction was one of shock. A visibly shaken Mayor Jeffrey Chestnut told reporters, the hates were my neighbors. The youngest children played in my yard with my sons. Enoch is a home of a lot of young professionals and families. This is a tremendous blow to many, many families who have spent many, many nights with these individuals who are now gone. Enoch has just 8,000 residents. City manager Rob Dotson said, Many of us have served for them in church, in the community, and gone to school with these individuals. We don't know what happened. They were our friends. They were our neighbors. And we loved them.
1: The murders occurred just two weeks after Tasha had filed for divorce from Michael. Her divorce attorney, James Park, would go on to say that Tasha had not expressed any fear of her husband physically hurting her. Outside of the divorce filing from December 21st, which was served to Michael on December 27th, Not much information about potential motive has come to light. KUTV in Utah said that Michael was an insurance agent for Allstate and that they found no signs of financial troubles. In the week and a half or so since the discovery of the murders, the Internet community has gotten perhaps unhealthily involved in the case.
0: On January 11th, a local paper called the Spectrum newspaper published an obituary for Michael that not only did not mention the murders, but described Michael in glowing terms. The obituary talks about how Michael met Tasha in the student ward of Southern Utah University and later married her in 2003, welcoming five beautiful children together. Each of these children were truly a cherished miracle to them, the obituary said. Michael made it a point to spend quality time with each and every one of his children. Michael enjoyed making memories with the family. He spent many evenings and Saturdays coaching the children's City League sporting teams attending the children's concerts at school, going on side-by-side rides, doing home improvement projects, sledding, and much more. The obituary went on to say, Michael lived a life of service, whether it was serving in the church or in the community. He was willing to help with whatever was needed. The obituary literally does not discuss the murders. The internet absolutely lit up with outrage, eventually leading to the obituary being taken down.
1: That isn't the only place the internet has piled on. After Tasha's siblings created a GoFundMe to raise money for funeral expenses, legal fees, and a memorial fund for the children, it became a hotbed of commentary. The page features an image of the family, but with a picture of Jesus covering where Michael had previously been. That aroused the ire of some internet denizens, while others came to have raging debates about guns and
0: gun violence. The good news for Tasha's family is that to comment on a GoFundMe, you have to give a minimum donation of $5. So even the less-than-thoughtful commenters were contributing to the cause. Overall, the GoFundMe has now raised over $100,000.
1: Still, it was only this week on Wednesday that the most shocking detail of the case so far was revealed. As is all too common, what seemed like a picture-perfect family from the outside faced many demons hidden from public view. On January 18th, the Associated Press shared details of police records that they had obtained which showed that the father of the family and suspected murderer, Michael Haight, had been previously investigated by the police for child abuse.
0: I would like to, at this point, trigger warn you all because we are now going to briefly touch on that abuse. In 2020, the eldest daughter in the family shared with authorities the details of multiple assaults. This included being choked by her father, during which the then 14-year-old said she was very afraid that he was going to keep her from breathing and kill her. The abused teen told investigators that her father had first gotten violent with her in 2017 and that the episodes had included choking and shaking. Additionally, she said that her father had treated her mother poorly as well, often belittling her in front of the children. The investigation happened after a non-family member had called the police reporting potential abuse on August 27, 2020.
1: When he was interviewed at the time, Michael denied assaulting his daughter and said it was all just one big misunderstanding. He admitted to getting angry and calling his daughter Malfi, but blamed his temper on external factors including his father's death and his mother's divorce. He also denied belittling his wife, but did admit in those interviews to taking her iPad and cell phone to check and see whether she was speaking badly about him. Speaking of Michael's wife, Tasha, at the time of this abuse investigation, she requested that criminal charges not be filed, hoping that the incident would act as a wake-up call. This is, of course, infuriating. Enoch police didn't respond to the AP's questions about why charges hadn't been filed, The Iron County Attorney Office said in a statement that it had determined that there was insufficient evidence to pursue charges. Apparently, graphic and detailed accounts from the abuse
0: victim do not constitute sufficient evidence. In just two weeks, this case has aroused incredibly intense feelings far beyond those directly involved, including a couple podcasters right now. In the weeks and months to come, more information will come to light and debates around the issues the case touches will, of course, continue to be debated. But for now, we would really like to close with remembrance for a woman who loved her children that did not nearly have enough time to laugh, love, discover, explore and grow and who was seemingly attempting to finally break free of the man who had hurt all of them? Until next time, I'm Jesse Prey. And I'm Andy Cassette. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we're signing off for Love Murder Current Affairs.